Okay, well, you know, at WPA, it's very rare that we have a guest speaker. And I explain that often because I love to see the pastors preach here at WPA, giving them opportunities to grow and to develop in their preaching skills. And so this morning, you're in for a treat because if our pastors aren't preaching, you know we're going to get the best of the best for you, WPA. And so I've invited Pastor Jason Liscom to come and share the word. Pastor Jason is one of the assistant superintendents of the Eastern Ontario District. Our church is part of the Western Ontario District. Uh, if you want to know where that divides, it's Young Street. And so he's on the other side of Toronto, basically. And uh, we're so glad to have him come. We're honored to have him speak into the life of our congregation this morning. He's also joined by his family, Colleen, and they have two sons, Liam and Lincoln. We're so glad you guys are here as well. And I realized, Pastor Jason, if you'd come, I, I realized earlier this week that we have so many things in common, and we've been figuring these things out over the years. And uh, the first is that we're both from, this, our hometown is the city of Brampton. Okay, no Brampton fans here. <laughs> it's just us. We just got to represent for ourselves. Uh, Brampton is like the hood. <laughs> Uh, Waterloo is no hood, but Brampton is the hood of GTA, well, at least one of the hoods, and uh, we're, we're proud Bramptonites. We are. We are. And then second, Pastor Jason is really musical. Uh, he's led worship and all sorts of things like that, and so we have music in common. And lastly, Pastor Jason pastored a church uh, for more than a decade, correct? 17 years. 17 years in Ajax, and uh, for a while, I was pastoring in Eastern Ontario District, and I lived not very far from oh, your church. Brother. And so it just seems like the Lord is uh, aligning our paths to meet together, yeah. to connect, encourage each other. And uh, I'm so honored that you'd come from all the way from Whitby to be with us sure. and bring the snow with you. Congrats. Like, <laughs> great job. Uh, you mission accomplished. Uh, bring the snow to Western Ontario District. Uh, but we are so glad that you're here. And uh, Pastor Jason is a visionary pastor. He gives oversight to many churches and pastors. And uh, he's a passionate communicator of God's word. You're going to love it. First service, we were all loving it. The Lord was speaking to our hearts, and just, it was a good word for us. I know you're all going to be blessed this morning by his ministry to you through the power of the Lord. Can we welcome Pastor Jason Luskin this morning? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. I met Pastor Chris on Twitter. Kind of sounds like we're dating now. I don't know why I said it that way, but um, anyway, like he said, we've got a bunch of things in common, and um, even though we don't know each other well yet, personally, I just feel an affinity in the spirit with Chris, with uh, the things he mentioned, but also in the spirit. I, I love his heart. I love what he's done here, uh, the, the, the ministry, the focus on the Word of God and the way that the church has produced resources to get you, the body of Christ, in the word. And I love that, and I appreciate that, and I value that, and that really kind of drew me to Chris, and then I saw pictures of his travels and his food choices, and I thought, I like this guy. So um, we're actually gonna minister together this summer at Ottawa Valley Pentecostal Camp for a few days. Chris was gracious enough to come and, and join us for that. And I am thrilled and honored to be here with you. When we were praying in the pre-service prayer room for the first service, I, I felt something in my spirit and I began to pray it and it hasn't left me. And um, while we were worshiping in the second service, I got a little bit more clarity to it. And before I bring you the message, I just wanna declare something over you as a, as a church. Uh, 
And it's a good word, and I want to speak it over your pastor too. So in Matthew 26, this is where Jesus talks about the three different servants. Remember that, where he entrusts things to different servants? And to one he gave a certain amount, and to another he gave less, and to a third he gave even less. And then he entrusted them with that to go and to multiply it. And then he came back after a long period of time and asked for what they had done. The first servant had doubled, the second servant had doubled, and the third servant was too afraid to do anything, so they buried it. And, uh, and this is what I, I felt led to share with you. Uh, because it's interesting what... God did, or the master did in this story, is a little shocking because the master took what was given to the least servant that didn't do and then ended up giving it to the one that had already had doubled it. And that's what I sense over your house today, over this place, over your church, uh, is verse 28 and 29. It says, Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, and this is what I feel led to share for you. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. That's the word that I heard in my spirit in the prayer word in prayer room is abundance for your house, for this church, and over the ministries. I believe that uh, as you look around, you see excellence and you see that what God has entrusted to you as a congregation, you haven't sat on it, but rather you've used it to go out to the various mission fields and in your communities, and, and you've taken what's in your hand, and you've used it to bless others. And I really believe that because of that, God is, is bringing increase to your ministry, to your output, and to your effectiveness. I think that's good news, but if anyone wants to receive that, say Amen. And so I just, I just wanted to declare that over you. Verse 29, that's it. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. That's for you. That's for your house in Jesus' name. So why have I come? I've come to do three things. I came to bring food to a hungry university student. Uh, a friend of mine from Malvern in eastern Ontario, his daughter attends this church and she goes to the university and he pleaded with me, please take food to my precious daughter, Jemima V. Jason, and I said, I'd be happy to do that. So we dropped off food yesterday. She's not gonna waste away. She's got her food. It's all good. Second thing I came to do was to try to recruit Pastor Chris to come back to eastern Ontario, but I, I failed miserably, so you're just stuck with him here, okay? Does that sound good? And then um, the third thing I came to do is to bring you a message of encouragement and, uh, and life. Jesus offers life. That's the title of the message. And I really believe that especially as we come out of this pandemic time and we've had to distance and we've had to do all these things and we're, we're, we're not unwise about those things and, and, and there's reasons why we do certain things. But the point is, there has to be a re-engagement as the body of Christ with the things of the Spirit. And we have to learn how to continue to minister and to continue to hunger and thirst and depend on Him. And I really believe that what the Lord wants to bring you today in this church and those watching online is a time of refreshing. It's not just reserved for people that drink Sprite, okay? It's Times of refreshing, 
that God wants to refresh his people, that we would be people of the word and people of the spirit, especially for the hour that we find ourselves. This country, I'm, I'm going to be 46 on Tuesday, and I can tell you I've never seen Canada in the state that it is today. Canada, morally and spiritually, is going this direction. And the reason for that is because as a, as a people, we have collectively stepped back from God saying, we don't need you. Even though our parliament buildings have it inscribed on them, he shall have dominion from sea to sea and other prophetic declarations from the word of God. We have wandered from the things of God. And is it any wonder why our country is going in decay? I'm not here talking politics today. I'm talking the spiritual state of this country. I was in Liberia, Pastor, in 2019 before the, the pandemic kind of closed everything down. And I was on a radio show that went all over Liberia and Ghana and other surrounding nations, touching millions of people. And I just began to preach the word, and I was calling on them not to model themselves after the West because they want to be prosperous, and they look at the West and our entertainment and all that. And I was calling on the ministers there, don't let it happen. Go after the word of God. Don't become like other nations. Pick up your, your prophetic destiny as a country. Go after who God has called you. And I was just preaching my heart out like that. One national evangelist called in. He was an evangelist from Ghana, and he heard, and he said, man of God, I just want to Thank you for this message. And we say yes and amen to your preaching. He goes, I only have one question for you. Why are you all the way in Africa preaching this? You need to get back to Canada. And the way you're preaching here, go back and preach there in Canada. And he was making the point that Canada needs revival. Canada needs a move of the Spirit of God. Canada doesn't need a religious thing, a religious show. Canada needs an active church that has the message of Christ, that has the power of God to go along with the message. We do. So much so that's why Jesus said to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Because we need God's spiritual touch and uh, we need to have God's refreshing waters. So John chapter 7, that's where we're going to go today, and I'm, I'm going to take us through this text. John chapter 7, the beginning of John chapter 7 gives us a little picture that Jesus traveled around Galilee, and he wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death, but verse 2 says, soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters or tabernacles or booths. This was a significant feast of the Lord, and it became kind of a religious thing that they did, and they lost sight of the meaning of it, but it was one of the feasts of the Lord that God called his people to remember. If you know the feast, there's a number of them, and this is one of the last ones of the feast. And this feast is a feast that looks back to Israel's history, and then it prophetically looks forward to what is to come. And it's called the Feast of Tabernacles because back in the wilderness, when God led his people, he led them with the cloud by day and with the fire by night. By the way, that's the Holy Spirit. He led them during the day with the cloud and he led them by night with the fire. Everywhere they were to go, God led his people to where they needed to rest, 
where they needed to find shelter. The cloud gave them shade during the day. The fire gave them heat at night. God took care of his people. And so they would build these little tabernacles, these little booths, and, but they didn't have their own dwelling place, a place to put down permanent roots. So this feast was called of the Lord to say, I want you to remember that time when you wandered the wilderness and you didn't have your own place of dwelling. Because the same way that that feast looks back, it also looks ahead prophetically that one day there's coming a time when Jesus is gonna return for his church, he's coming soon, and when he receives us, his church, the dead in Christ will rise first, we will meet them in the air, and then we will dwell with him for eternity. We're gonna live with Jesus. We're gonna abide with him in heaven for eternity. There's gonna be a new heaven, and there's gonna be a new earth. So this feast kind of celebrated all of that. It helped them to look back, and then prophetically, whether they understood it or not, it looks forward to that which is to come. Can you say amen? All right. Well, our text today is John 7, verse 37. Let's read it together. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Let's pause here. So on the last day, so this is a, a, a week-long festival, just over a week, and now the last day is actually the eighth day. So the climax of this festival, they would do something really unique. What they would do is they would get the priests, they would get ministers, and they would go to this place called the Pool of Siloam. And it was a place where the water flowed, and they would gather up the water. Then they would go to a high place, and they would have this kind of like a water ceremony where they would pour out the water, and it would run down. And as they would do that, they would offer their prayers. They had palm branches, and they would wave them like this. And they would pray, and they would say, God, honor your word. Keep your promise to us. Back in the Old Testament, God promised that when he delivered them out of Egypt, Egypt was a dry place. It was an arid place, and there wasn't a lot of pools of water. So they would have to work hard to go and gather water out of the Nile, and they'd have to bring it back, and the water would pool, and it would go stale. And they longed to have living water. They longed to have a water source that would irrigate their crops and their herds and their flocks, and they would pray. And God promised them in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, listen, when I lead you out of this land, as long as you're faithful to me, I will provide rain in the due seasons, and the rain will hit the mountains and the hills, and it will provide living water for you. It's a promise. And so now here they are on the eighth day. The eighth day is the beginning of a brand new week, pointing to what is to come, pointing to the new heaven and the new earth. And they're having this festival. And in a religious way, they're saying, oh God, help us have water. And then Jesus shows up. Everyone knew who he was at this point. He was kind of in hiding a little bit. He didn't want to, but on the eighth day, he gets up and in a loud voice with all of these things happening in the background, listen to what Jesus says. He says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. What a picture. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart and verse 39 says, when he said living water, 
he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Can we pray? Father, I thank you today for your word and for your spirit. Thank you for this wonderful church, this house of God, and we pray blessing upon it today. Lord, you wanna bring refreshing, and I pray in the name of Jesus for eyes to see. I pray for ears to hear. I pray for a heart to receive, a mind to understand. Help us to to receive that which you wanna speak to us. Help me to get out of the way and help your word come forth with power and with clarity and affirmation by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Everyone doing okay? Okay. You know, I got excited yesterday. I've never been, I, don't, I came here uh, as a teenager to Waterloo. We would have uh, youth conventions. I don't know if they still do it in Waterloo or not, but we used to do that. We grew up in Western Ontario in Brampton. So I came here a few times, but really, since then, I haven't been back until this weekend. Driving around yesterday in the downtown core and looking at the university campuses, something got stirred up in my spirit. And uh, I got excited for today because I'm, I'm telling you, there is a hunger, there isn't a thirst, but a lot of the hunger and thirst is happening outside the walls of the church today. So I grew up in one church in Brampton, then I pastored one church in Ajax, and so half of my life was only in two churches. Then five years ago, I went into district ministry, and uh, now I've been to like 95 different churches in five years, and what I can tell you is I find often more of a hunger and a thirst for God outside the walls of the church than I do on the inside of the church. Why is that? That's because I believe we've become a little comfortable. We've become a little complacent. And just like the Jewish people that every year they went and they did their festival and they did their religious rites and ceremonies, they had the Son of God standing in front of them and they didn't even recognize it. May God help us if we get to a place as a fellowship, as a movement, as followers of Jesus, where we are so caught up in the religious order that we don't even recognize his spirit when he's right in front of us. Isn't that true? But that's not gonna be your portion today. That's not gonna be your story today because God has come not to hit you over the head. He hasn't come to to criticize you. He's come to refresh you today. Hallelujah. And the invitation that he gives to you and to me and to those who are watching online, wherever you find yourself, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you're a Sikh, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an an, an atheist, it doesn't matter. If you hunger after God, the Bible says he will come to you. He will fill you. I love these first words of Jesus. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come. That's good news. Because you may find yourself here today and you're a part of the anyone, but you're wondering if you're welcome. Maybe you're caught up in sin. Maybe, you know, if we only knew the kind of stuff you're involved in. Maybe your life is a broken mess. 
Maybe you're confused and you feel like God has discarded you. Let me be the one to tell you a great message today. Jesus says to you, he, sees to, he says it to me and to everyone who would be willing to listen. He said, anyone can come. The gospel, the good news is for everyone and anyone. If you are breathing, you are a candidate for the grace of God. Hallelujah. So he says, anyone can come, anyone who is thirsty. Psalm 63 says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, did you catch that? Earnestly I seek for you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. That's where we are right now in this nation. We're in a dry and we're in a weary land, and the correct posture, I believe, of the church should be saying, God, we're hungry. God, we are thirsty. God, if you don't move, if you don't show up, we're not going to make a tent. We need more light, not less. We need more power, not less. We should be contending for more of God, not less. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall, that's a promise, they shall be filled. Question is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Is there a desire in you for the things of God? Have we become complacent? Have we become a little bit too comfortable with just in, out, sit, up, down, in your own spiritual life, even, even apart from the church, in your own spiritual life? Are, have you become a little complacent? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty can come and drink. It gets better. He says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. If you're here today or you're watching today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me just say this. The only thing that's required of you, you come as you are, you don't have to pay some membership fee, you don't have to pledge this and pledge that. All you need to do is come humbly, acknowledging your need for God, but the only requirement Jesus says is that you believe in him. You put your faith in him. Faith is a requirement. You know, in our church uh, where we pastored, there was a gentleman who came. His name is TJ. And TJ came to church faithfully with his family, even though he was an atheist. It was wild. He'd come up to me, and he was like the most friendly atheist I've ever met in my life. And he would he'd say, Pastor, good to see you. Good message. I don't believe a word of it, but it was good. And he was great. He was, in fact, the day that I got voted in, because I was at the church as an assistant pastor, then I got voted in as the lead pastor, and when I was in the office waiting for the vote to come, he wasn't a member, so he came into the thing, and he's like basically encouraging me in the Lord as an atheist. Crazy. And so TJ one day is asking the Lord, you know, he, he's just kind of, he, 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 he doesn't agree with it, but he's fine with it in some kind of a weird way. And so his, his, his wife and kids were baptized in water. They were crying out to God for their dad. And we had a practice where we would have a, a microphone and the family could come up and they could share a scripture or an encouragement. And so TJ comes up 
And I'm thinking, dear Lord, what's he gonna say? Maybe we need to change our policy, but this, is, this isn't good. So I'm standing in the tank with the wife and the kids, and they're all crying because they want their dad to be saved. And TJ gets up, and no word of a lie, this is what he leads with. Hi, everyone, I'm, uh, I'm TJ, I'm Sarah's uh, husband. Uh, I don't believe in any of this. But then he goes, but I can't deny that their faith, their belief in God has changed them and has made an impact on their life. And I'm just here to celebrate the fact that this is meaningful to them. Wow. And then he goes to go away like this, and he comes back and he goes, and who knows, say a prayer for me because one day I might be in the tank with you. I can still feel that right now as I tell the story. As I was in the tank, I felt the Holy Spirit come on me, and before he sat down, I said, whoa, 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 Brother TJ. I said, we're gonna pray for you right now. So I said a prayer publicly. He kind of waved at me, good luck, Pastor, and then went and sat down. Well, the Lord began to work on him. He began to come to our Bible study as an atheist, and, and he would just come. And one day, he began to read in Hebrews, and it began to hit him. It's it just by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith Noah, by faith Samson. By, and he began to just wrestle with this. The next day he came to church, I opened up my Bible, and I said, gang, we're going to read today from scriptures from Hebrews. We're going to talk about faith. By, and I began to talk like that. He got up, and he ran to the altar. I thought it was somebody else I had led to the Lord that week. So I just said, it's okay, friends. It's, it's a gentleman I met this week. You know, he doesn't know what's happening. Just you know, pray for him and let's come back to the word. TJ jumps up out of the front pew area, the altar, and he says, no, Pastor Jason, it's me, TJ. And I said, TJ, what's going on? And he tells the whole story of how he was wrestling with the word of God and God showed him through the Bible that we come to Christ by faith. So it's not about having all the last little answers believe before you believe. At some point, you have to go by faith. You cross over the threshold of faith and then God gives you his spirit. God begins to teach you. He leads you. But in order to get there, you've got to take a step of faith. TJ got gloriously saved. His wife didn't even know it. She was serving in the basement. And she comes up. Everyone's hugging her and crying. Two years later, TJ became a board member in our church. He became a solid man of God. And right now, he's fundraising to become a global worker, to go to Romania, to give his life to the cause of the gospel. Hallelujah! That's Jesus. But you got to put your faith in him. Jesus said, you can come. I'll change your life. You can come. I'll touch you. You can come and I'll work in your life. But you got to believe in me. And if you're watching today and you're just kind of checking all this out, that's the way you enter. You enter by faith. You take a step of faith. And by the way, we do that all the time. We put our faith in airplanes. We put our faith in bus drivers. We put our faith I was going to say our wife's cooking, but my wife is here. We put our faith in all kinds of stuff. Put your hope, put your faith in God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people don't like that, but Jesus is the only one who went to the cross, who took our sin upon himself died in the tomb, and then rose from the dead, 
and then is waiting for us to be resurrected with him. And he says to you, he says to me, anyone who believes in me, come and drink. And he goes on and he says, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his spirit. And this is what I want to end with today. What's he talking about? Living water. Well, thank God. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes in Scripture, the Bible interprets itself as you read it, and, and we have that here. So verse 39, John tells us that when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Okay, so when Jesus said, listen, anyone who's hungry, anyone who's thirsty, anyone who needs me, who's looking for God, come to me and you can drink. And he said, you'll have rivers of living water come out of you. Wow, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus promised. He said, listen, it's better for you that I go because if I go, I will send another and God will send the promised Holy Spirit. Friends, that is one of my favorite passages to preach about the Holy Spirit because it tends to go right over our heads. These disciples sat next to Jesus. They heard him talk. They heard him minister. They saw miracle after miracle. They saw blind eyes open. They saw lame men run. They saw deaf ears open. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, it's better for you that I go. What? How could it possibly be better for you, for us, if if you go? Jesus said, because if I go, I'll ask my father, And he will send another, one just like me. But instead of being with you on the outside and then gone, he's going to be in you. He's going to come. He's going to dwell on the inside of your life. He's going to teach you truth. He's going to teach you how to live this life. He's going to give you power to witness. He's going to give you boldness. It's better for you that I go. So when Jesus said, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink, He was looking ahead to when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And after he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, I believe it's John chapter 20, he he appeared in a room where the disciples were hiding. I almost feel like we've been doing a little bit of that since the pandemic. We've just kind of been hiding a little bit as the body of Christ, just kind of going along with the flow of everything, hiding. And Jesus appears as if to say to them, hey, Let's go. And he addresses where they're at. He says, peace. They're afraid. Jesus is gone. Their whole life crashed. They didn't know what to do next. Jesus appears, and his first word is peace. (laughs) And then he says, my peace I leave with you. And the Bible says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, there was a greater fulfillment of that Holy Spirit where now God's power came on them to witness. Why does this matter? What has this got to do with me and what has this got to do with you? This is a promise for all of us. 
Jesus says, the scriptures declare, I'll just share three of them quickly. Isaiah 12, verse three, he said, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. One of the marks of the Holy Spirit at work in a church, at work in a life, is there is joy. I wish I had time. Maybe another time should the Lord tarry and I get an opportunity to preach on joy of the Holy Ghost. But joy is a trademark of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's intercession, there is groaning, there is grieving, but God is not just a, a one-armed pony, right? He, he, he is, he's multifaceted, but he brings joy to the house when the Holy Spirit is flowing. Isaiah 55, one says, let everyone who thirsts come to the waters. Isaiah 44, verse three says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. God promised even before Jesus came that he would give them living water for anyone who would hunger and thirst. Ezekiel prophesies about this, the water flowing from the temple. Revelation 22 is a picture of this, and it's available to you, and it's available to me. Here's the point, though. Revelation 22 tells us that the, that the river of God teems with life. We sing that song, right, the river of God? It comes from Revelation 22, Ezekiel 47. Anything along the riverbank of the living water came to life. Because it's living, it's active. Here's the point of today, this whole message right here. In order for you to experience the living water, it has to touch you. If you wanna have the living water of God, See, so many people come and, and they agree with Scripture. They agree with Jesus. They agree with all of this, but they're not encountering the living water of God. All these religious people were there in the festival doing all these religious things, and Jesus saw that they were missing it. He says, if anyone's hungry and thirsty, come to me. And the invitation today as we close is simply this. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, Come to Jesus, let him baptize you in his Holy Spirit, let him fill you. You know, as I've traveled to so many churches, one of the things I've heard from so many people around the altars and around pastors even, and around the foyers of churches is we're so tired, we're so weary, we're so thirsty, we're, we're, we're so fed up, we're so beat up, we're so broken up. And to me, that's evidence that we're not touching the living water. Because if we're touching the living water of God, even in desperate situations, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If God could take care of Israel in the Old Testament with all the plagues of Egypt, you go back and study it, God, he, reserved, he took care of them. Even when they were in absolute darkness, Israel was in a land called Goshen, and when the whole area of Egypt was in darkness, Israel had light. God knows how to take care of his people. God knows how to take care of me. He knows how to take care of you. And more than that, he wants to renew his church. He's coming back soon. And he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. A church that has been washed in the blood, renewed and washed with the water of God. 
And my question for you as we close today is when is the last time you allowed the Spirit of God to renew you? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you longing to see the Lord revive his church, strengthen his church, empower his church? We had a beautiful time of prayer as we ended the last service. And and I know when we go to two services, sometimes there's a pressure to duplicate what just happened. But friends, there's no pressure today. This is not some emotional appeal. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just the messenger. God, as an invitation, is saying, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, come and drink. And if that's you, as the team ministers, as we get ready to close, I would just invite you, come as you're comfortable and spread out along the front. And my wife and I and any of the team here that want to pray, we're just going to pray for you. And the Bible says in the New Testament, as they prayed, the Holy Spirit came. As they laid their hands, as they put their hands on one another, the Holy Spirit came. So that's all we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to revive and renew, to water this church for the days that God has called you to live in the abundance that he has for you. Can you say amen to that?